Welcome to the Bone Coach Show, dedicated to helping you understand all things related to diet, lifestyle, bone health, and how you can live and thrive with low bone density and osteoporosis. I'm your host, Kevin Ellis, certified health coach, health and wellness speaker, and above all else, your bone coach. After being diagnosed with osteoporosis in my early 30s, I transformed my health through diet and lifestyle and now help my clients and community members do the same through my online coaching practice, Bone Coach. Look, there are no quick and easy cures for low bone density, but the choices we make every single day can have a powerful impact on our bones, our health, and our general well-being. I'll share the research, interview the experts, and help you figure out how to get the conditions right in your body so you can better your bones through diet and lifestyle. Short disclaimer, I'm not a medical doctor, and this show should not be considered medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare team before making medical decisions and changes to your diet and lifestyle. With that being said, let's get on with the show. 10,000 steps is not getting you greater bone density than 6,000 did. Walking three miles is not getting you more bone density than one did because your heel strike rolling through that foot is exactly the same. It's your body weight every time. Stress on the bone in all different kinds of angles is really good not just linear or landing in the same spot every time. So hopping left to right, forward and back and on the angle, all those kinds of things are really, really good. If you haven't done so already, especially if you're newly diagnosed with osteopenia or osteoporosis, or if your most recent bone density scan still showed more bone loss, go ahead and pause this episode and head over to bonecoach.com to sign up for your free seven day osteoporosis kickstart guide that's going to give you everything you need step by step by step over the next seven days to get on the path to improvement and stronger bones you won't want to miss that so pause this right now head over to bonecoach.com and i'll be here as soon as you get back welcome welcome to this episode of the bone coach show joining us today to explore the prevention of osteopenia and osteoporosis throughout our lives is deborah atkinson functional health coach, hormone balancing, fitness expert, and Flipping 50 founder, Deborah Atkinson has helped over 250,000 women flip their second half with the vitality and energy they want. She's the best-selling author of You Still Got It, Girl, The After 50 Fitness Formula for Women, Navigating Fitness After 50, Your GPS for Choosing Programs and Professionals You Can Trust, and Hot Not Bothered. Deborah hosts Flipping 50 TV and the Flipping 50 podcast and AARP top podcast for 50 plus. She's a frequent speaker and TEDx presenter of everything women in menopause learned about exercise may be a lie. She has 38 years full-time fitness experience, is an international fitness pre presenter for the associations, including International Council on Active Aging, IDEA, NSCA, and Athletic Business and CanFit Pro. She's an American Council on Exercise subject matter expert and prior senior lecturer in kinesiology at Iowa State University. Deborah is also founder of Flipping50.com and creator of the Flipping 50 Fitness Specialist Program for fitness professionals. She's a frequent contributor at HuffPost, ShareCare, and other featured outlets, and is on the Education Advisory Board for MedFit.org. Her unique combination as a medical exercise specialist Certified strength and conditioning coach and exercise psychology expert provide the basis for helping women decide and follow through with change that transforms the way they age. Deborah, I absolutely am so happy that we're we're having you here today. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for being here. Although I'm disappointed you don't have your text on today. 
Hey, you know what? That was uh, so we were just at an event recently. We were at this big health practitioner event and uh, I was dressed up in a tux. Deborah looked fantastic. We had a lot of other health practitioners too. It was an amazing event, but uh, Deborah's uh, kind of been a good friend now that we've, we've um, gotten to know each other and I'm, we talked about coming on the podcast and here she is. Yeah. So glad to be here. And this topic, you know, I love talking about it. It's, it's evolved so much. Yeah. And it's such an important topic too. So let's talk about this uh, in terms of osteopenia, osteoporosis prevention. Now you've been in fitness and health for 38 years now. So I would love to understand from you, how has this conversation evolved over that period of time? What have you seen as the progression of this throughout your career? Yeah, it's been tremendous. So honestly, I remember very clearly um, in 1995 was actually the first time I lectured on this. It was an adult education. And I know because it was the first time I left my my infant son home alone with, with his dad and went off to teach this class. And, you know, at that point, thinking back now, osteoporosis, osteopenia were not household terms. So I had to define it. I had to explain what are the ramifications of this. We went through the risk factors. And by by the way, those have changed, right? So some things we thought were risk factors, actually, we were telling women the wrong thing to do and and men too. So as you know, um, prime example, it's not just women, but we were giving them some false advice. And that hasn't really um, changed. It's been maybe seven years, eight years at most when some of that has changed. So it's always good to take another look, but now it's a household word. Everybody knows what it is. Still may not know the causes, still may not know exactly what to do for it to prevent it. And so I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Yeah, me too. Me too. And and I would love to know too, how have these, how have the exercise recommendations mm-hmm. changed over that time also? Yeah. Well, you know, I think at first we really treated it like once you're diagnosed, um, we're going to put you in bubble wrap and then really shouldn't do very much because you're fragile. And that also was some of the worst advice we could possibly give. And so fortunate right now that just Prior to the pandemic, we really started approaching research on osteoporosis very differently. And I think we're going to see this again, but there were some really insightful studies that came out or got stopped, got halted because they were in a clinical setting, you know, and here's March, 2013, and they're 13 months into us, an 18 month study. Well, they had to stop because they couldn't monitor them anymore. But we did get some early results from it that were really good and indicate how much things have changed. So, you know, I mean, we are no longer saying stop. We're actually saying go. You have a better reason than you've ever had in your life to do more exercise. But let's be clear, the right kind. Yeah, absolutely. And and I've had so many people that I've had conversations with or, you know, that have come to us with osteopenia and osteoporosis. And they say, my doctor told me not even to carry a book bag with five to 10 pounds in it, Um, or, you know, to, to stop working out or to only do light walking. And that's just not the case for so many people. Your bones need that stimulus to grow and become stronger, not even just to grow and become stronger, just to maintain themselves. Right. Also, you have to have that stimulus. So 
I'm looking forward to talking about the specific stimulus that we could provide. So if we could, can we just walk through maybe decade by decade, the progression that you've seen, what are these best exercise practices to support uh, the prevention of osteopenia and osteoporosis, maybe even starting from as far back as when we're teens and when we're younger? Yes. And I love this topic. And that is why, you know, I think everybody who's here may be here to listen for themselves. But I think this is where we leave a legacy by turning around and talking to our daughters and our nieces and those other young women that we influence and men as well. And again, I'm I'm so not used to yet, you know, including men because it is primarily men. We're talking to females. And so you're going to have to slap my hand and say, Deborah, hello, hello over here. <laughs> but um, here's the thing. So we used to start, I used to start this with teenagers, you know, who are reaching puberty and during that age and phase. And anymore, I think we, unfortunately, we've got to peel back and go one more decade back and start looking at this happens earlier because we're actually, we're seeing third graders, girls who are because of overweight and epidemic of obesity, they're reaching puberty. I mean, before they're emotionally able to handle it, but we're seeing it happen. And that means we need to be talking about it then as well. So, you know, if you're giving a child a gift, a jump rope is a fantastic thing. (laughs) I mean, I think, you know, getting them out and having them explore all kinds of sports as opposed to pick one sport and do that for the rest of your childhood, you know, I mean, that really, for so many reasons, you know, the pattern of movement being the same, same, same is not good for a growing child or not as good. Let's be very clear. So cross training, but things like basketball and soccer, where they're actually running. So they've got a little airtime, they've got a little impact, and there's little trauma that's going on in all directions. They're moving left and right and forward and back. And there is no just linear kinds of motion. Those things are great, Um, you know, and jumping, you know, and get them out and get them exploring and teach them a love for movement. I mean, that's the biggest thing is get them to love everything or if they don't love everything, keep trying new things. So they find things they do love and they're going to as adults, as teenagers, when they begin to feel a little bit more awkward, you know, as a, a five year old, we all think we have a cape on the back of us. Right. And we just think we're so fast. And it's like, watch me run and watch me do this. And then by the time we're 11 or 12, we're starting to shrink. And it's like, I'm not very fast, you know, right. And we close it down and we get, you know, this shakeup of our confidence level. We don't want to participate in anything we're not good at. So let's let's help them build the confidence, get get better and be ready for what's coming later. So that exposure really young, I think is really beneficial, but we're also talking about how can we help them boost their bone density? So the greater the impact, the more we're going to be helping them. So in a study of teens, adolescents, and primarily those females, but I think this will of course apply to males because actually you're going to respond better because males have tend to have bigger and more dense bones to begin with and bigger frames. You look at gymnasts versus swimmers. You know, and and no offense, I love swimming too, but 
it's great for muscles. It's great for cardiovascular work, but it's terrible for your bones. I mean, you're in water, you're taking out the effect of gravity, you're removing your weight. And so you've got to look, if you're going to do that, you got to be just like you're going out to dinner, have a surf and turf approach to your workouts, right? I mean, you've got to, okay, I'm going to swim and I'm going to lift weights and I got to do the two to marry them because I'm not getting that impact here when I'm swimming. So super important. And I, I would say, even if you're walking or you're running or you're jogging, you still need the weight training. It does not go away. It's just like, this is, this is a must. So we want to get them doing, again, continuing to do those activities, get them to do as high impact as possible because they're still developing. And there's like this window of opportunity when they're able to put kind of like money in the bank, they're able to put bone in the bank until that door closes at about 30, right? So when we hit that point at 30, if we don't do anything about it, we're going to start withdrawing money from the bank. And depending on who we look at, it's always been somewhere between one and three, maybe a little bit less, but it's coming out every year. Unless you're doing something extra special to prevent it, that at least is what we've seen. Now, as you emerge on the scene and you go through things, you know, you may change the whole research scape, but it's going to happen maybe five or 10 years. We're not going to see it yet. So in the literature right now, that's what we're seeing. So we want to get all we can in there then. And this is really the time to get those young girls in the weight room. Like, you know, when they're still or they have that resurrected confidence in their bodies, you know, I think when they hit puberty immediately, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, shooting up, don't want to shoot up, growing boobs, don't want to grow boobs yet because the boys aren't, you know, so there's all these things happening. But then they begin to own their own bodies again. And they're they're more confident. And, you know, I, I see young girls now far more in the weight room at the gyms than I ever did and applaud it. I mean, it's fantastic to see a couple girls in there as opposed to on the treadmill or in group fitness, which is where we used to find them. Young adults, 20 to 30s. Similarly, but where are we? You know, we're in college and, you know, we're partying a little bit more, you know, so there's a little bit more pulling away. You know, alcohol isn't your friend if you're having too much of it necessarily. And we get busy, busy and stressed. And so maybe not exercising quite as much. So I think it's important to think, you know, the exercise is not just for the freshman 10 or 15 or whatever that number is today. <laughs> it's it's for bones still. And so again, we have that opportunity. And I think a lot of a lot of college students. So I was in kinesiology for 15 years. And a lot of both males and women say, I didn't grow until after high school. Like I, I grew two more inches. And so it's proof there's a lot of bone development still happening at that point. So get them in there. And again, you're still pretty comfortable in your own body. That's a time when you know, you can still eat the hot fudge sundaes a lot of times and not have anything to worry about. So they're feeling pretty confident. So again, get them in the weight room while they walk in there and they're feeling like they own the world because it's a whole lot easier to do it then and start it than when you're 50 and you're feeling like I don't even recognize my body anymore. And you're kind of like, I'm a CEO and I do all this, but I'm a fish out of water in here. It's a little harder. It's just, you know, nobody likes to do things that are not comfortable doing. So 
30s to 40s, you know, when you think about what we're doing, we're driving the minivan, you know, and uh, we're, you know, packing the kids and we're chauffeuring them and taxing them here and there. And we've got our head down and working and making the rest of the household all flow and go and maybe enjoying a little bit more, you know, financial resources because we've been working for long enough. If the kids aren't taking all the resources, that is right. So, you know, this decade I find is a really tough one for women to stay regular with their exercise. So prioritizing strength training over cardio is ultra important because when you do have that window of time show up, you need to know exactly what exercises do I do so that I'm not just sitting, spinning, thinking, what should I do? Or walking into a gym using what happens to be available where the guy is not scrolling on his phone waiting, you know, I mean, you have to have a plan. Forties to fifties, it gets a little bit more urgent. You know, I think this is where women tend to hit perimenopause and feel it or not. And that's the unfortunate part about bones. We don't feel them. We don't feel them going <laughs> like, like they're leaving. We don't know it. They're they're really poor guests, right? That bone density is. But we've got to make it a priority. And what what we definitely see women feel is I need to lose weight. Like I'm I'm gaining weight. So to our detriment then is dieting and you know potentially not getting enough nutrients, not getting enough protein included in that, and going cardio, babe all the time thinking we need to burn fat. And I'm hoping that we see these generations, you know, that are younger than 40, avoid the mistakes that we've all made. You know, if you're over 50 and you're here listening or definitely over 60 or 70, we grew up in that era where we thought we've associated fat burning with cardio, burning calories, got to get the weight off before the bones. If you're joining us now, please don't think that's our advice. Okay. We want you to do strength training over anything else because you're gaining lean muscle. You will boost your metabolism. You will have more energy, but you're also then boosting your bone density and or at the very least holding on to it. So the older we get, the less and less cardio we need and the more and more we need that strength. And in all the research that I've done for Flipping 50, across the board, these two words appear when the question is, is that enough? You know, is strength training enough to provide the stimulus for bone density, either to maintain it, to stop and halt losses? And now we believe and we know we can gain. So we didn't used to think that. So it's much more optimistic, but it has to be of adequate intensity. So it's never before been more important to an older woman to make sure that the exercise is intense. And I by that, I don't mean injurious. I mean, calculated, controlled, safe, but yes, intense. We've got to reach muscular fatigue. And what works for muscle doesn't necessarily work as enough stimulus for bone. That's really empowering what you've just shared with us that, I mean, we can do things now to make improvements and progress, building muscle strength and building bone strength. And you can do that at any age, which is amazing, right? But what's even more amazing too is if you're listening to this and you have kids and grandkids or nieces or nephews or daughter-in-laws or whoever, you can help them. You can teach them 
you know, share this with them, share this with them, help them get the information. So they understand from a young age that we need to be having them be more active. We don't want them leading sedentary lifestyles, get them into gymnastics, get them into the sports, give them those quick short bursts that maybe create some stress on the bones that help them grow and reach peak bone mass. So, so important from a young age. So Deborah, I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, and then just walking through the importance of strength training, how the focus you, you have to include that in your plan. So Deborah, thank you so much for, for walking through that. Yeah. Thank you for things for asking. It's a great question. Yeah. And, and if you're listening to this and, and you know, somebody who you think this would be helpful for, be sure to share this with them, like share the video with them. Or if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, or if you're listening to the podcast, share with them and be sure to give me a thumbs up. And as we go through and we talk through some other things, because Deborah is a wealth of knowledge, comment below and let me know, what are you learning? Right. Mm -hmm. Let me know some of the things that stand out to you and be sure to uh, subscribe to the channel as well. So uh, Deborah, I got a few other questions for you. So what what does the most recent research say about exercise for women with osteoporosis? Yeah, it, well, it's exciting. I mean, it's it's even more hopeful, really. So I alluded to this earlier, but just before the pandemic, and I, and I'm quoting just one study, but um, there are others. There are others coming. There are others that have been there. This one took women who are um, in postmenopause. So also very important because that tends to be the time when everybody's, your doctor's saying, okay, it's time to do a DEXA scan for the first time and, and let's, let's find out where you are and, and women become aware of it. So postmenopause, you know, the guess is they've all been diagnosed with osteoporosis and they take them through this program. The program consists of uh, meeting three times a week and they're doing high intensity interval training. So high intensity interval training. And also it's it's high um, intensity, but also high impact. So they're not just, you know, standing on the ground doing knee raises and getting their arms and heart rate up. They're actually jumping. They may be jumping rope. They may be jumping to boxes or off boxes and going side to side like a skier. But they were doing high impact, high intensity work, along with twice weekly strength training. So they were doing heavy weight. So both exercises were intense. They intended for this to go 18 months. And then they were taking them through phases of say these first, you know, these next, and they were doing phases where we don't want to start. So ultimately we can say, we want you to do intense, but we don't start you there, right? We progress. We say, okay, based on where your entry point is, let's bring you along slowly, progressively, give you a little bit more. Occasionally we'll back down, make sure we give you a break and recovery so that we can build back up and we go a little bit higher, little break and we do it again. And that is periodization. We do it for athletes, but we kind of need to think about ourselves in the same way. We're imposing more stress. So we got to give you the opportunity to recover as well. They, they had all these cycles set up. So they're into just getting into the last phase of the study and pandemic. So March of, you know, uh, 20, they had to stop in much month 13 out of 18, though, what they did is took their results. And they said, what do we see? Number one, zero dropout. Adherence rate was 100%. The women loved it. 
loved it. Nobody resisted the high intensity or high impact and, and the fact that it was it actually was stimulating to them somehow brain-wise. And there, there are studies, others, not this one, that look at the fact that there is this sense of accomplishment that comes with short and efficient exercise. It's a little bit higher intensity and you also are getting a break. So it's, yeah, work hard, but I get a break. I get to totally recover. I'm going to do it again. Get a break. And knowing that that's coming is like so rewarding, but so satisfying when we're done. So no injuries, zero injuries. And that goes hand in hand with adherence. I think if you're hurt, you're not going to follow through. But they also saw bone density increase significantly over other forms of exercise. So just simply doing slow, controlled exercise, just doing moderate forms of exercise or the go for a walk that someone might recommend to you. So I think it's very promising. And it, it also says clearly, if you've been scared by I have this diagnosis now what and and I've had many clients you know feel like their their retirement the way they saw it just flashed before their eyes and somebody took it away and I think no longer do we have to think that we might need to think okay you know maybe you intended to do all this traveling but wherever you're traveling let's make sure they've got a gym right <laughs> let's let's stick with it so you've got more reason to be regular stay on that, you know, program regularly, not have this big interruption and to get back to it and have a re-entry somehow if you do get interrupted. That's exciting, right? That's yeah. uh, And it's it brings hope to people too. It's like, because yeah. you get told you have osteopenia or osteoporosis, it's not hopeless. There's a lot of things you could do. Mm -hmm. Exercise yeah. needs to be a part of that plan. It is so critically important. Uh, if you, it's not, you're not going to, build your bone strength just by taking supplements and eating a healthy diet, right? Exercise has to be a part of that plan. Yeah. And I really think like the research is, is really going to, I think more in the future as it progresses, it's just going to become more of a strong and clear case for, you know, how important exercise is mm. uh, as part of that plan. So what are the different types of exercise that we're, we're typically recommending for bone health and maintaining healthy bones over time? There are two that that you'll hear about, you'll read about um, and get advised to do. And those are weight bearing and weight resistance. And I think often the easy answer from from someone who may have years of medical school, but minutes of exercise right in that is, you know, just walk because that is weight bearing. But what we know about walking or even other forms of exercise is there is something called minimum effective stress, MES, that we all have to be aware of. And so if we look at things on a continuum, we do know there are wide studies that will show if you're going from the couch to doing yoga, yoga has been proven to increase bone density. And I can't argue with that. And I don't discriminate, by the way, I'm a yoga instructor. However, you know, if we're comparing yoga to strength training or yoga to walking or yoga to running or yoga to jump rope, 
it's still over here on the continuum. It's better than being on the couch. But once you can do yoga and you balance and put weight on your wrists and upper body, which is actually really good because other ways uh, that we exercise, we don't always get that in. So I am a fan of that. But And I'm a fan of yoga overall because we need the mobility in order to do the other things that benefit our bones. So it is a package deal. We're not saying exclusively strength train, never mind your stretching or your yoga or your your cardio in other ways. But we need to look at where are you. So if you can walk a mile and you're up on your feet in in ambulatory or you're doing your tracker, 10,000 steps is not getting you greater bone density than 6,000 did. Walking three miles is not getting you more bone density than one did because your heel strike rolling through that foot is exactly the same. It's your body weight every time. So unless the strike increases, the stress, so you push, bone pushes back and responds with, I'll give you this, okay? And so it gets stronger from that factor. So after you can walk, then could you jog or do bounding across the yard or jump rope? Or instead of little jump rope, could you jump off of a box? You know, there may be a point where for you, based on your bone density and your history, your risk may dictate that, you know, this is probably not what I would advise for you. However, I think you're safe in going here you know, with a certain exercise, we're all going to reach a point where, you know, maybe there's um, arthritis comes into play as well, you know, and it has an opposite exercise prescription and recommendation. We have to kind of marry the two and say, okay, let's give you the most benefit with the least amount of risk. And we've got to say, okay, this is what you can do safely with exercise to manage both of these. And, now, you know what your your job is, is to make those other areas just a little bit more specific so that you can control the things you can control. So um, really important then with weight bearing that you consider where are you on the continuum and are you doing what you can? So bounding side to side is also really important. So when was the last time you went out and played basketball in the driveway and moved side to side or you played soccer and you slid side to side doing those kinds of movements? For a lot of us, it's, it's a really long time. We're going to be sitting here with crickets and we need to keep in mind, we need that kind of movement. Stress on the bone in all different kinds of angles is really good not just linear or landing in the same spot every time. So hopping left to right, forward and back and on the angle, all those kinds of things are really, really good. And then the resistance training, and this is always a a huge question. So what is resistance training? And if we say just from a definition standpoint, is it bands and tubing? It is. Is it using a TRX, a suspension tool? And by now, that's almost a household word. So I think most of our audience will know what that is. Is that going to the gym and using machine weights? Is that dumbbells at home? Does that count? Is that a power plate for vibration? All those things are resistance. But when we look at what gets you the best RRI for bone density, it is pushing something heavy, lifting something heavy. So picking up heavy dumbbells if you're at home, using machine weights if you're at a gym, and potentially if you're if you're more fragile 
and you're worried about um, your risk of falling, I mean, because you have a worry about falling, you'll be more likely to. So getting on a stable machine where there's only one way to go, you can't very much, you can't very easily get hurt, may be a better place for you to relax and get into it and be more regular and not have that holding you back piece. So weight bearing and weight resistance, you need them both. If something is preventing you, say, uh, bad knees, bad hip, bad, bad ankle, preventing you from doing weight bearing. And so you are in the pool instead of doing those things. You need the weight training even more, more important to you. And when people hear strength training, resistance training, high intensity training, that can sound really intimidating, right? For a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I, and also as we start, if, if, if we are intimidated by that, we may just not be familiar with how to do those things. Yeah. So as we're talking about this, don't think that it's just like, oh, you know, we're talking about it now. Let me just go out and grab some heavy dumbbells and, you know, jump right into this. As Deborah is kind of talking through, we don't start at like the most intense, most intimidating stuff. You slowly progress up to the point where we've got your body mechanics right. We're navigating some of those conditions maybe those pains that you have from arthritis, or uh, maybe you're working through scoliosis or spondylolisthesis or something like that too. Uh, we got to take all those things into consideration and then mm -hmm. slowly build you up to the point where you can provide the stimulus needed to support stronger muscles and stronger bones. So thanks for walking so, through that. Yeah. Well, and, and to, to add to your point, I think it's important to like look through your daily activities of living though. My guess is that most of us, even if you're not going to the gym or into a weight room, picking up your dumbbells, you're lifting more often than you realize, you know, the cat food bag, the dog food bag, the dog itself, right? <laughs> the grandchildren, you know, you may be actually doing more lifting. And so we're just changing the form of that lift to make those activities of daily life easier for you and to add little by little, a little more stress than you're used to. Love that. And are there any mistakes that, that you know, women may be unintentionally making as they're putting together their exercise plan for whether, whether it's preventing osteoporosis or just in general? You know, I think the biggest one is uh, both applied to in general and to as it's applied to bone density. Yes, if you're if you're on the couch, you're not doing something regularly enough. Um, starting a regular walking program is a good base building way to begin. It will make you feel healthier. You will feel accomplished. That may feel very doable, and all those things are golden and worthwhile. But don't stop there. So don't dedicate all of your time to cardiovascular activity. You want to be again to take a portion of that and dedicate that to strength training right away. So little bits of it. It doesn't take hours. You know, if you do a well dictated set for ten or fifteen minutes. And you know what you're doing and you know which exercises and why, that may be all it takes to get you stimulating those bones a little bit more and to bring you into the habit and to say, I'm somebody who lifts weights for bone density. And that's an important message. And are there no-nos, right? Are there things we shouldn't be uh, doing yeah. when it comes to exercise? What are the what are maybe the 
the contraindicated movements, uh, if that's the word we want to use there, or, you know, maybe something that would put somebody at a higher risk of fracture. What are those things? Yeah. And, and there, there is a continuum of any of us who have osteoporosis. We may have a greater number of risk factors that, um, for instance, someone who's been on a steroidal type drug, and we're often on those because it's life-saving. We need to, right? And yet that can make your bones more fragile, more brittle, and make you more prone to fractures. So you want to be a little bit more careful and you want to know your own history and risk and if you've gotten a bone scan, you want to know what is that number and sit down with somebody who will tell you, I mean, relative to anybody else, what does that mean for me? And, and am I at a higher risk category than someone else? And really, you know, don't take that first opinion. If it's unclear for you, keep asking questions. So I think that's important. But for most of us, um, we're going to say BLT, movements that are BLT, and that is bending, lifting, and twisting. And we could do either one of those by itself can be a little bit more stressful to the spine specifically. So for those of you that do yoga, you know, now remember, it's been studied, it's been researched and documented that yoga is beneficial for building bone density. And so we know that it's not a taboo, never do that, don't do it. It's potentially how you do it, how you get into and out of those poses that makes it more risky or not, or less risky. So if you're doing a bending, lifting, and twisting movement, that's probably a little bit more risk related. So for those of you that do yoga, this will make sense. For others of you, it's not going to, but if you're not doing yoga, then it's okay, right? You don't need to know this. But if you were doing, say, a rotated triangle, you're bent over, you are forward flexion deeply, and you're doing some pushing and pulling and rotation. And it's the moment when you come up and out of it that we would be at most risk, right? Because all of those things are happening at once. You know, but the same thing, I will say, if you are you're putting uh, groceries in your trunk. If you still have a trunk, you lean over to pick things up out of and you're getting the salt for your water softener or your dog food or cat food bags, which tend to be some of the heaviest things that we lift and you're pulling them out of the trunk and you're rotating to do it, or you live in the Midwest and you shovel, you don't have the snow blower. I mean, BLT happening over and over and over, right? So those kinds of things, you know, there's your get out of jail card. You know, you don't have to shovel anymore. <laughs> but um, that's probably the biggest risk. And I think, you know, I will have women say when they'll see a certain move, they'll say, can I do that? Because I've got osteoporosis. But if we're doing something in a slowly, let's set you up, and then let's hold that posture and let's contract and brace our core. So we're breathing through it. We're not moving rapidly and in a frenzy. We're doing things under control and on purpose. I think the recent studies are showing that we no longer throw that blanket statement on that is a contraindicated move for everybody. It may not be the best move for you is a better way to approach it. That's great. And, and yeah, cause people have, um, just because somebody has low bone density 
they could still have good bone quality. They could mm -hmm. still have good microarchitecture and good structural integrity in the bone. Uh, still something you need to pay attention to and need to be aware of. But um, I like how you've kind of mentioned contraindications as a sliding scale or a spectrum almost. That's right. Um, and then another thing I do want to point out is, so if you're listening to this and you do yoga, I think Deborah is still also saying we, we still want to make sure we're incorporating other elements of exercise too, and the resistance training and things like that, which is awesome. Um, so anything else you think is important, Deborah, for, for our audience to know about exercise, osteoporosis prevention, you know, as we're going through these stages in our life? You know, the other, I, I probably a couple other things just so we should mention that, you know, are questionable with osteoporosis and most often come up are forward flexion. So forceful forward flexion, though, is the key. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sit-ups and crunches, it, you know, I am infamous for saying sit-ups are stupid and crunches are dumb. And so nobody, I don't care if you have osteopenia or osteoporosis really nobody should be doing it. We've got dozens, dozens of other options that are better for us, actually get us better results and don't have the risk that they do. So that one we've eliminated. But I think also um, we think, oh, Pilates is a gentle form of exercise. And, and again, I don't discriminate. I'm a certified Pilates mat and reformer instructor, but there are a lot of moves within Pilates that actually would not be ideal for someone who has um, osteoporosis and is at high risk. So rolling up, rolling back, those kinds of moves, not necessarily ideal for you. So I think it's just, you know, look at anything, walk up to your fitness pro, your personal trainer or your instructor and ask, you know, I have osteoporosis, osteopenia. Are there any moves here that I should be looking at or concerned about? And then knowing what you've heard here, if they say no, you know, I want want to say this, and I hate to throw anybody in the fitness industry under the bus, but the requirements for continuing education in the fitness industry are pretty loosey-goosey. Somebody may be working with someone who has osteoporosis, but never really have taken any continuing education yeah. in that area. And that's important for you to filter for yourself. How many people have you worked with just like me is a great question. I think that's a great question um, because there, there are some nuances. There are some things that people need to understand and you don't want to be doing the wrong things and that could possibly lead to injury. So I'm so glad you said that, Deborah. This has been, this has been fantastic and really, really helpful. I, I would love for us to, you know, is where can our audience find you if they want to learn more about you, the amazing work you're doing, flipping, fi uh, pardon me, flipping 50 and some of the other work that you're doing. A lot doing. of apps, yeah, absolutely. So social, um, we're at flipping five zero TV um, everywhere. So it's best place to see us on on any social media channel. And um, I've got a five day flip. So Kevin, I'd love to share that with your audience. If you want to put that in the show notes, that would be amazing. Let's do that. 15, 20 minutes. Each video for five days will convince you you do have time. You'll hear me cue ad nauseum, right? So I'm a big cue girl. So I like to think my secret sauce, you can let me know if you agree, is to answer the question that you don't know to ask yet about where you should put your weight, where you should feel it, where you don't want to feel it, 
to get your shoulders down away from your ears because somehow I know that they've snuck up there. That's what a good coach, that's what a good coach does. Answer the questions they didn't know they needed the answers to. So that's great. Um, Deborah, this has been fantastic. And for everybody listening to, if you found this helpful, I know it was helpful for me and a a lot of other people listening. I know this is going to be really helpful for them. Be sure to like that video if you're on YouTube. And if you're not on YouTube yet, get over to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, (laughs) like the video, do all that, do all that fun stuff. And if you're on the podcast and you found it helpful, subscribe, rate, review, Um, And you can find all of the resources, show notes, everything mentioned here today over at bonecoach.com forward slash Deborah Atkinson, Flipping 50 Osteoporosis. I want to thank you again so much for your time. We'll see you in the next episode. Hope you found this episode of the Bone Coach Show helpful. You can find all the resources, show notes, everything mentioned over at bonecoach.com. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, be sure to share it with someone you love, a friend, family member, even a group of people. And also be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode that can help you improve your bones, your health, and your future. One last reminder, if you haven't done so already, head over to bonecoach.com for more great resources to help you get on the path to stronger bones and an active future. I'm your bone coach, Kevin Ellis. I'll see you in the next episode.